It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hey there, podcast listeners. I have exciting news. We're launching a brand new podcast. In addition to Super Soul Conversations, it's called Oprah's Masterclass. The Masterclass podcast allows you to hear the greatest life lessons from some of the most respected and renowned actors, musicians, public figures, and athletes in their own words. Listen as Jay-Z, Justin Timberlake, Ellen DeGeneres, Shaquille O'Neal, Reba McIntyre, Dwayne Johnson, and Jane Fonda, just to name a few, share what they've learned about life and their own insights into their personal stories and challenges. I believe that there's something to be learned from every experience, and everyone can use their life as a class. Oprah's Masterclass podcast is available now on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe now and listen free. Go to applepodcast.com slash Oprah's Masterclass. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I was first introduced to Sufi teacher Llewellyn Von Lee when I saw him in the film Wake Up. I was so intrigued by his words, I wanted to learn more about Llewellyn's own spiritual journey. So I invited him to join me in my backyard to talk about Sufism, the wisdom of the heart, and the mysteries of life. Here we are sitting under the oaks, one of my favorite places on earth, with you, a Sufi teacher. Thank you. Life is really good. It's wonderful to be here. Llewellyn Von Lee. Correct. That's correct. Great. It's a Welsh name. So when I say that you, is that how you define yourself as a Sufi? Sufi, te- Sufi teacher. It's the simplest way. It's yes. the simplest way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to share with everyone how I became interested in Sufism. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, Elizabeth Lesser, who won, runs, know, yeah. runs the Omega Institute, yeah. was sending me these beautiful um, sayings, mm-hmm. uh, pieces of literature, poetry every day mm-hmm. from Hazrat Inyat Khan, Khan yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. It's called a bowl of sake. I know that. It would come to me every yeah. day um, through email. Mm-hmm. And I started reading those, and they were really wonderful uh, parables about life, expressions of love mm-hmm. and beauty and God in such a way that I thought, hmm, this is very interesting. What, where is this coming from? Right. And found out that he was a Sufi yeah. leader and teacher yeah. and uh, started asking about it. And when I started doing my research about uh, Sufism, mm-hmm. this is what I came across in one of the books. The Sufi movement is a group of people belonging to different religions who've not left their religions, but who've learned to understand them better. Mm -hmm. 
and their love is the love for God and humanity instead of a particular section of it. Correct. The principal work that the Sufi movement has to accomplish is to bring about a better understanding of the East and West and between the nations and races of the world. And the note that the Sufi message is striking at this time is the note which sounds the divinity of the human soul. Yeah, that's beautiful. The movement does not call man away from his belief or church. It calls him to live it. A movement intended by God to unite humanity in brotherhood and in wisdom. So is that an accurate description of what Sufism is? It's one description of what Sufism is. It's one description. I I would say, first of all, Sufism is about love. It's about love. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about this extraordinary secret of human beings that within our heart, not our physical heart, but our spiritual heart, we have a direct connection to God. Mm. And we can experience that each directly within the heart through love. And so... I would always like to take it back to love, take it back to the individual human being's relationship with God. I often say, Oprah, that there are so many different ways to go to God. For all of humanity, people can choose different ways to God, but some people need to experience God through love. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you talk about in your books is the 99 names for God. And that God, all that is God, responds to all 99 names. The Sufis actually say, in the name of that which has no name, Mm -hmm. but who appears by whatever name you call him. God is everything. This is one of the basic experiences not just of Sufism, the core of every mystical path is the oneness. Everything is God. There is nothing other than God. We are all part of this great mysterious outpouring of love that we call creation. Everything in creation is an expression of this incredible love. Sometimes we can see it more visibly like here in your beautiful garden. Yes. And sometimes it's in in poverty and suffering. It's less visible but then you think of people like Mother Teresa who saw the love there. Mm -hmm. I was often moved when somebody asked her, how can you take care of so many people? And she said, I only ever take care of the one. one. Because for her, everything was part of this one being, which is love. Mm -hmm. And maybe Sufism is about those who want to, well, Rumi, the great Sufi poet, he said, return to the root of the root of your own self. The return to the root of the root Root of your your own own self. self. It is like, again, when he said, God does not look at the outer form, he looks at the love within your love. Mm -hmm. And if you go into the core of your being, into the very center of yourself, Mm -hmm. what do you find there? Mm -hmm. Either love or longing for love. Mm -hmm. Look, you've met so many people, you've seen so many journeys take place. And isn't it at the core of every person, there's a longing to be loved, Yes. a need for love. I read this in your book, the transformation of uh, the transformation of the heart, and it just really stopped me cold. Mm-hmm. This, you know, sometimes a sentence just I, I, I started to tear up when I read this line on uh, page thirty-eight. Um, By his own powers, no one can find the way that leads to him. Right. Capital H. Whoever walks towards him walks with his foot yeah. until the beam of his love shines out to guide the soul. Now this is the line that stopped me, Cole. Since I learnt that he longs for me, longing for him never leaves me for an instant. That is so beautiful. That's really, because it's true. That is so beautiful. He longs for us. 
and and some people that which is God that what that which is God we call yeah. it the beloved the beloved is that love affair yeah it longs for us don't he, you love that line yeah. since I learned he longs for me yeah. longing for him never leaves me for an instant it and does. one of the things you also write here is that the Sufi aspires to remember God mm -hmm. in every moment with each and every breath we do because he is our beloved if, if you love somebody you want to remember your beloved. Mm -hmm. For most people, this is a human experience. Mm -hmm. You fall in love. Mm -hmm. You see the image of your beloved wherever you go. You, mm -hmm. you wait to hear your beloved on the telephone. You just love to say their name. You love to say their name. You want to tell your friends about them. Yes. And all it is is for us, God is the great beloved. And it is this incredibly intimate love affair. I mean, I tell you a secret, Oprah, is that in every outer relationship, in every human relationship, there is you and the one you love, mm -hmm. there is the other. Now what happens if the one you love is actually inside your own heart? If it is so intimate, if it comes from within your own heart, if this love touches you from within your own heart, and it is there Which is, is no as other. close as your own breath. Th there you go. Which is, is your own that breath. That is actually a Sufi saying. Yeah, really? That is a Sufi saying. As close as your own your breath. Your own breath, yes. yes. He is closer to you than yourself to yourself. It's this incredible intimacy. And this is part of the, Sufis are known as the people of the secret, because since the beginning they've carried the secret for humanity, that God is not out there, not in the clouds, not anywhere else, but within your own heart, and you can experience it. Look, you know how somebody. But Paul says in the Bible, Paul says uh, that God is above, around, through, and mm -hmm. in us, yeah. meaning God is in everywhere. all things, in everything. God is in everything. Yes. And that is the premise of the Sufi, is that everything is God. Yes, every, unity of being, the oneness of God. Well, there is know, nothing other than God. Well, you know, there's so many of us that grew up, when I grew up, mm -hmm. God was in the sky I know. with a beard and <laughs> had a book. <laughs> taking names, kind of right. like Santa Claus, right. checking yeah. it twice, <laughs> and was watching everything yeah. that you were doing, and if you yeah. did something bad, ooh, you would yeah. be yeah. smited. That, yes. that is one image of God. Mm -hmm. But as a mystic, you don't want to stay with the image of God, you want to go to the truth. Mm. And, and again, for the Sufi, the truth has to do with love. I mean, God is love. It's a simple statement. Mm -hmm. It's like the Beatles song, all you need is, is love. Mm -hmm. It is so simple, but so true. My teacher used to say, mystics teach simple things, but those simple things change people's lives. Mm -hmm. Because you are touched, because your heart is touched. Mm -hmm. So, would you say you're also a mystic? I am primarily a mystic. Primarily what, a mystic. A mystic is, is somebody who wants to completely lose themselves in God wants to lose themselves. Until there is nothing left but that divine consciousness, being, oneness, however you call it. So what would be the greatest thing you would want as a mystic for us to know that you want the world to understand? Okay. At this moment in time, yes, which is a very extraordinary moment in time, particularly ecologically, mm -hmm. that our, we are destroying this incredibly beautiful planet that we've been given to look because after. Because we're unconscious. Because we're unconscious, because we don't treat it properly, because we've forgotten that everything is sacred. Mm -hmm. I would like people to remember that the world belongs to God, not to us, but to remember it belongs to God. If it belongs to God, then you treat it differently. You treat it sacred. Every leaf is sacred. Every tree is sacred. You know that. You feel it. You've, it's echoed in this beautiful gardens mm -hmm. here. And then there is this relationship between our heart the inner secret of our heart and 
the world around us. Mm -hmm. And then we can become guardians of this world as we're supposed to. Because it, it's God's world. It doesn't belong to us. We're not the masters of the world. It's his beautiful expression, his beautiful creation. And there's this incredibly important moment when the astronauts first saw this world from outer space. And they saw it as one living being. Mm -hmm. And you have that image, it's like a primal image that belongs now to our culture, to the whole world's culture. There's one, as one living, driving, being. pulsating yes. being. Yes. And, and all I would take it one step further and say, it's not just a living being, it's a living spiritual being. Just like we are. We're not just a physical being. We're a spiritual being. We have a heart. We have a soul. And the world has a soul too. And we are part of it. We are part of this incredible miracle that has a sacred core at its very center. Just like we have a, a sacred core at our center. You can call it love. You can call it magic. It comes from the soul and starts to heal the human being. One of the things that you say in your book that in order to uh, get to know God or to come close mm -hmm. to God, that the ego must be crucified. And you use is, the word crucified, is, uh, yeah. which I think is an interesting... It's a Christian teaching. Yes, it's a Christian, Christian teaching. teaching. Why, what does that mean, that in order to know God, the ego must be crucified? The, the Sufi says, talk about dying before death. Mm. You die to the ego. For most people, the ego is the king. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. But some of us have glimpsed. I think most people aren't even aware of their ego. I've attempted in Aha. my series with Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Do you know Eckhart? I do, yes. Eckhart yes. Tolle. Wonderful we did work. a 10-part series yeah. on the web talking about the ego. And actually, I think for, for me, and mm -hmm. I think for millions of, of other people who downloaded that series, mm -hmm. it was the first time that we had that kind of recognition of the ego as a as an entity. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes, I think for, and for a lot of people, the realization that, wow, you are separate from the ego. You don't have to be controlled by your mind and your identity with right. that. There is something else. There is that divine part of you. That there is a that divine. That you can be guided by, you can yeah. connect with, that can, can give you the help, the grace, the nourishment, the meaning that you need. It's the soul that gives us meaning in life. So is your, are you dead to your ego? Is your ego dead? Have there you come, crucified it? There comes a point on the path when the ego bows its head in surrender. It is no longer the king of the castle. You can't live without an ego, otherwise I've had experiences of having no ego and then you are everything. You are every leaf, you are every cloud, you are every car, you are every sound. There Were is... you on drugs? No. I'm just asking. No. Okay. No, it's a meditation. Just, were, it was a meditation. Okay. It, was, it comes from meditation. Because that ego, sounds like somebody who would have taken a very nice drug trip. It's, yeah. it's called, uh, in Sufism, the, the, you dissolve. The ego dissolves. Like, like sugar in water, you dissolve. If the ego surrenders. Look, you are in service. I know you are in service. And what does it mean to be in service? It means you surrender to somebody else's will. Right. Or whatever it is that asks you, that calls you to be in service. Yes. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. 
Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. And I think sitting here with you under these oaks has been a, a dream of mine, and I do feel that it is a calling to service. How wonderful. Yes. And I feel exactly the same for me, because I am very reclusive by nature. Mm -hmm. For me, mysticism is something that draws me deep within my own heart. I, I like to be alone, I like to meditate, I like to pray, that's what... And for me, to come out and talk to you... With about the cameras. This, with the cameras. Yes. You know, about the secret of the soul, about this calling in my own heart. That is also a certain surrender, a certain service for me, because maybe it has meaning, maybe it can touch other people. Mm -hmm. That there is this extraordinary something within the heart of all of it, each of us, that is divine. The Sufis talk about the heart of hearts, this central part of our own being that belongs only to God. Well, one of the things that I was so moved in uh, Transformation of the Heart about is when you talk about the longing of the heart. Now, here's what I feel, and you all tell me if you feel this too, and you can tweet me mm -hmm. or Facebook me and let me know. I feel that there is a deep longing on the part of our culture for something more, something greater, something higher, something um, deeper. Yeah. And I think that the farther away we are removed from it, the farther away, the more things, the more technology, the more stuff, the more possessions, the further we're removed from that connection, but also the deeper the longing. Yeah, it's a hunger. It's not just a longing, it's a hunger for something that is real. Because all these things, all these material things, they, they don't satisfy our soul, Oprah. Mm -hmm. they, they, they may give us a moment of pleasure. Do they bring us joy? Mm -hmm. No. And they don't nourish our soul. And there is this deep longing. In fact, one of my, my favorite definitions of Sufism was, Sufism was at first heartache, only later it became something to write about. It's the call of the soul, the cry of the soul. It's something primal within each of us. We long for God, we long for truth, we long for love. It doesn't matter how you call it, it's this longing. It's actually what is interesting, Oprah, is it's the, the feminine side of love. Oh, the feminine side of love. Because there is the masculine side of love, I love you. And then there is the feminine side of love, I am waiting for you. I'm waiting. I'm longing for I'm you. I'm longing for you. And sadly, so much of our culture has not valued the feminine. Like, just to hold something, just to hold a space, to hold a space in your heart for God, to wait for God, not to demand, not to ask, but to wait. 
that is actually part of prayer, to learn to wait within your heart, to listen, to just to be present without wanting anything except your beloved. Now the Sufi says there are three journeys, the journey from God, mm -hmm. the journey to God, and the journey in God. Correct. Yeah. Where are you along the journey right now? <laughs> That's a very personal question. <laughs> I would like to be in the journey in God. Mm -hmm. The journey from God is a journey of forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. People come into this world and they forget their divine nature. They become caught in the, what the Chinese say, the 10,000 things. Mm. All the things of life, the 10,000 yes. things. Yeah. I would say the world is caught in the that world, right now. Yeah, the world is caught, very sadly. And then there comes this moment in their life when something wakes them up. It's a very magical moment. I tell you a story. Once I was traveling to New York on an aeroplane and I went to use the bathroom and there was a line for the bathroom. And I saw that the stewardess at the back was reading a book about dreams that I happened to know. And I said, oh, it's an interesting book. I'm surprised you're interested in this book. Anyway, she started to tell me her story and she said she'd just been to a workshop. And then she said, I suddenly discovered there's more to life than getting stuff. And I could see this light in her eyes. She'd woken up. Mm -hmm. She'd realized there was something within her. It wasn't just about material accumulation. Mm -hmm. And it was like this magical moment when something awakens within the heart of the human being. Unfortunately for so many people, I've interviewed lots of people for whom that happened when tragedy struck, right. when a difficulty occurred, yes. when cancer came, right. and a lot of people use that experience mm -hmm. uh, for their own awakening. But you believe that you don't have to go through a terrible time. It is a gift. It is a gift. I think Eckhart Tolle had this moment of awakening yes. for him. It was a gift. It's always a gift by God, that moment, however it comes, because I used to, when I was young, we used to, we used to row in the park in, in London. Mm -hmm. And you could rent these little boats, little paddle boats or canoes as kids, like for, mm -hmm. you know, 25 cents for half an hour. And at the end of the half an hour, there was a, a guy with a megaphone. And he'd say, number 25, your time is up. Come in, please. And it's like that. The, the beloved looks at the human being and says, hey, your time is up. It's time to start going home. The Sufis talk about the homesickness of the soul, mm -hmm. the journey home. And something calls to you, there is this moment. And it's really whether you take respect and value that moment and then begin the journey, the journey to, to, God, to God. The journey to God. And what does the journey in God feel like? Uh, one of my favorite Bible verses, I think it's Acts, but I'm not sure, is in God I move and breathe and have my being. There you go. And sometimes when I'm meditating and the mantra isn't working for me, I will just say that as yeah. my mantra. And when I'm stressed or when I'm feeling challenged or in any difficulty, I will remind myself that in God, I move and breathe and have my being. There is nothing other than God. And it's, it can be an experience of oneness. You get taken into the oneness that is all around you that is part of life. It can be an experience of love. You get drawn into this love, you begin to lose yourself in love and suddenly there is no longer you, there is just love. But if there's, okay, so if you're lost in God, does it mean you're just lost in God? Do you actually do anything? Well, you live what God wants you to live okay. without an eye to say, what about me? 
that's a really good point because everything that I've read about Sufism, I'm thinking it sounds wonderful, it's beautiful, how wonderful to, to breathe and know yeah. and love God in every moment. But then are you just sitting around with no, your Sufi no, no. clothes path, on, loving it's a, God? It's, it's a path of service. It's a path in of fact, service. Sufis are known as the slaves of the one and the servants of the many. We are the I slaves see. of God and the servants of humanity. And Sufis are involved in humanity, whether as a, a doctor, a plumber, a painter, a therapist, wherever you are called by God to participate in life. So you open up, you open yourself to service, however your body, your heart, your soul can be used as a vehicle there of service. There you go. I got it. There you go. I got it. And you do it for the sake of your beloved, mm -hmm. for the sake of love. Mm -hmm. So is Sufism inclusive of all other religions, as I, as I started out saying? Does it mean, what I've read is that I can be Christian and also yes. be a Sufi. I met a wonderful Franciscan monk the other day who said St. Francis was very influenced by Sufism. That was part of his mm -hmm. calling. Sufism is about the love within your love. God does not look at the outer form. He looks at the love within your love. Mm. And you can be a Christian, you can be a Buddhist, you can be... It doesn't matter. That's the outer form you live in. In fact, I, I was brought up Christian and I had a much deeper understanding of Christianity since learning about Sufism. I mean, and what matters is how you live your relationship to God, that secret inner calling within the heart. So when you were a child, did you believe in God? No, because when I was a child, I was brought up in a religion that was not really spiritual. It wasn't a calling. It was more a social obligation. Mm -hmm. My father loved church music, so we used to go to beautiful churches and listen to choirs. but direct experience of God didn't even exist. It wasn't on the table. Mm -hmm. And then I had an experience when I was 16 and I just woke up and suddenly I saw the world completely differently. What was the experience? It was actually reading a Zen koan. I was 16 and I read this Zen koan which is, the wild geese do not intend to cast their reflection, the water has no mind to receive their image. And these enigmatic Zen mm -hmm. sayings and it was like a key, it opened a door inside of me and suddenly the world was full of light. Suddenly there was laughter, suddenly there was joy, suddenly something else was present and then I started to meditate and go deeper. And Is that when your spiritual journey that's began? That's when my spiritual journey began, one and day on the tube in London. You talk in, in Transformation of the Heart about the journey to spirituality mm -hmm. being painful that yes, it, it is. is you talk as we sure, talked earlier about painful. the crucifixion of the ego yeah. Yeah. and yours was very painful yeah very very painful because I, I came when I came to my teacher and I was 19 I was so arrogant you know I'd meditated for a few years I'd done hatha yoga I'd had some experiences in meditation and I really thought I knew something about it and one has to learn humility you have to learn patience you have to learn that it isn't about you and those are all painful lessons, you know. We, we don't learn them so easily, human beings. We want it to be easy, but it isn't because... Why must it be so painful? Because the heart has to break for the Sufi. The heart has to break open. Most people are so closed, they are so contracted. It's all about me, me, me. Oh, I see. And That's what you mean by the crucifixion, crucifixion. of the ego. Yeah, then it, the heart breaks. And then he says, I am with those whose hearts are broken for my sake. So by the crucifixion of the ego, you mean the heart has to break, you have to get taken out of the, the sense that everything is happening for you, about you that everything is about you. There you go, yes. that's right. Yes, and so then you begin to live your life 
in alignment with the beloved, in alignment with God, asking God constantly in a constant state of how can I serve? Yes. But I would say when you are in alignment and you are in service to what God wants you to do, Mm -hmm. it's also the most exhilarating. There you go the most stimulating. Yeah, it is. Really, I'm going to cry. Yeah, And it the is. most beautiful. It is. You want yeah. nothing more. You want nothing just more. Just to be in service for the rest of your life. Yeah. You do. Yes. You talk in, in Transformation of the Heart about spiritual responsibility. Yeah. What does that mean? I have a very strong feeling that this world at the moment is in a state of crisis. Mm. It's in a very... I feel that too. Yeah, I know. I know. I and it is a crisis. It's, it's and it's a, not about Wall Street. It is Correct. about Wall Street, but it's much not deeper, about much, much, much deeper. deeper. Yeah, much deeper. And those of us who have been given access to their own light, who have had a glimpse of this divine spark within them, this, which is just really having a glimpse of God, however you call it. Do you hold great hope for for the world right now? Well, I tell you a secret. I'm a mystic, and as a mystic, you believe ultimately it is the grace of God because you know that everything you have been given has come from God. And I believe the world belongs to God. And there is this moment of crisis, and then you cry out to God. Mm. And part of my practice, and the practice I try to teach people, is in your prayers, remember the world to God. Feel it in your heart, this suffering world, and offer it to God. Because God is the greatest power. God is the greatest healer. God is the only real truth. And then maybe, out of this world of forgetfulness that can become remembrance and then the world can respond and something can be born again like for many people and when you what when you say god what do you mean well i am sufi so for god he is my beloved he is my most intimate friend my beloved as well as a tremendous tremendous power and that sometimes i've had an experience of that incredible power that one can call god completely different to the power that people think, the the worldly images of power. Uh And at the same time, God is in everything. God is in every breath we breathe, nothing other than God. Uh The Sufis say he he is both intimate and also beyond even our idea of the beyond. Is it true that Sufis look for God in the face of their brother and sister? Wheresoever you turn, there is the face of God. Wheresoever you turn. You you learn to see God in everything. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. Is, is the idea of oneness a part of the basis? Central, of, central, central to Sufism. We are all one, God is one. Everything is part of this living, breathing oneness that you can call God, you can call life. God is alive and it is this oneness of which we are all a part. And you, you can experience it. You have two experiences of oneness. One is this intimate experience within the heart. You go within the heart and you dissolve into the oneness of God within the heart. It's very intimate. I think the nearest experience is when lovers meet physically and they get closer and closer and then there is this moment of bliss 
in which you are no longer there. Mm-hmm. And except for mystics, it happens in a way much more magnificently. The whole of your heart opens and you just... And you when are, does that happen? When you're meditating? When the Beloved wants to take you. Mm-hmm. It's really not up to you, it's up to the Beloved. It's mm-hmm. up to those moments you are taken by God to God. You are taken by love to love. And then you are completely lost. You know, it's hard for many people to embrace the idea of oneness when it feels like the country and the world is more fractured than ever. And yet, look at our understanding of the ecosystem. It is one ecosystem. We are all part of one world in a way that was inconceivable in my parents' generation. And for me, the internet is a very precious symbol of that. We've been given this tool of oneness. People in a cyber cafe in Tajikistan, in a somewhere in a, in a room in Manhattan. They're all connected together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. part of this worldwide web of interrelationships. Mm-hmm. That to me is oneness at work. Oneness is not an idea. Oneness is a life force. Oneness is the life force of the planet trying to break through this hierarchical structures that are killing it. Mm-hmm. And I have a passionate belief in oneness, not just as a mystic. I know what oneness is like within the heart and within life, but as a practical tool We have to live according to oneness. You know, it's so fascinating that you're saying this to me because I often have, I've thought this, but haven't been able to articulate what you just said. As I'm watching myself and others on Mm -hmm. our Blackberries and our iPads and iPods and I think, and I also think about it every time I pick up the phone. Uh, I have a school in South Africa. You can hit 11 digits and suddenly you're speaking to Africa or you can hit FaceTime on your iPad and you're, face-to-face with Anyone. someone in yeah. An, 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 yeah. An, an, another world. Yeah. What is that? This is life reconnecting itself according to oneness. It is the organic nature of life that needs us to participate. Yes, but we call it technology, and in the name of technology, we lose what it really that, is. That is, for me, the tragedy. Yes. We've lost its sacred nature. Yes. We don't realize that it's a gift given, us, given to us to help us to wake up, to help us to realize we are one planet, we are one race, we are one lot of human beings, and we have to make this step in our evolution, otherwise I think the planet will die. And to me, being present in this world at this time requires a consciousness of oneness to help the world, to help each other, so we can redeem this world. So, could you define mysticism again? Tell us again, remind us what it is. Because, and I'm saying that because I know people are hearing, listening, and for a lot of people, that word carries a charge of mm-hmm. uh, of the unknown it is. and mystery. It is. It, it is the greatest mystery that we are one with God, mm. that we are one with each other, that we are not separate. The greatest illusion... In God, I move and breathe and have my being. There you go. Mm-hmm. Feather on the breath of God. That's mm-hmm. Hildegard von Bingen, a Christian mystic. Mm-hmm. She lived like a feather on the breath of God. Just. Take that image, see where it takes you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's nice. That's lived mysticism. And she Who said fa- that? Hildegard from Bingen. She was a great a Christian mystic. on the breath of God. God. Yeah. There you go. And then your life is taken where it needs to go. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. See? That's lived mysticism. And it is about the mystery of the human being. Yes, it's frightening mm-hmm. because it takes you into the unknown. Mm-hmm. It takes you into the unknown within yourself. It takes you to the unknown within life, just as any calling does. You can't control mysticism. It's not yours. You have to learn to bow down before God. But the rewards are tremendous. You know, there is so much love, Oprah. 
there is so much love. If people knew how much love there is within themselves, within life, we are made of love. Why do you think there is such a growing interest in Sufism in Western culture now? I think there is a hunger for love. I think there is a hunger for something that is real, that has not been bought and sold in the marketplace, that yeah. is, is just true, that is pure. And this great poet Rumi, he lived almost 800 years ago. I love Rumi. And yet he has touched the hearts of so many people here in the West today. Why? Because he speaks about love. Not some idealized love, but a love that belongs to all of us and also belongs to God. And he touches the heart. And as you say, there is this, you said a while ago, there is this hunger in our culture. Yes. A hunger, longing, call it what you will, for what is real, for not the, and the what trinkets. Does that, how, does that, how does that hunger, do you think, manifest itself? How is it showing itself to us? Because there I, are people who are hungry, because there are people, I feel it, I feel yeah. and sense, and it's the reason why I decided to step out, take the risk of starting a network. Right. Uh, to share these ideas with people, yeah. to try to bring little pieces of light, to open them there up, to let them see yeah. themselves differently. Because I, f I, I feel that and feel that that's a part of my calling to do that. It is that. your calling, yes. Yeah. It is your calling. You can touch people. Yeah. You can touch I feel many, that many it people. Is. Yeah. And that if I were to leave the planet, I would want to know when I leave the planet that I really did everything I could. You yeah, feel this hunger mm -hmm. and you can touch many, many people. That's your gift. That's the gift you be given. It's also a responsibility for you mm -hmm. because you can't just walk away. You can't just live an easy life. Right, as you said, I could... I, I, you could shut the doors, but your heart wouldn't be happy. Yeah, my heart wouldn't be your happy. Heart wouldn't be happy. So what is, that, what is the face of hunger and yearning to you? What does it look like? Well, there, is, there, are, there are two sides. One is there is this longing, and people sometimes mistake it for depression. It isn't depression. Wow, it's it longing. depression? No, it's longing. You long for something. And people sadly, because they don't know them, we, we've lost the understanding of longing. And so they project it. They, they, they want a new pair of shoes. They want a new boyfriend. They want something. They don't realize that that will not satisfy this hunger in the heart. This is what people say all the time. I've done this over the years. You stand up and you ask people, what do they really want? Everybody says, I just want to be happy. I think they want to be loved underneath. I think everybody wants to be loved. and. And it's a hunger, it's a hunger, and particularly because we live in a soulless culture that doesn't nourish that. But it doesn't nourish our souls. There are these ways that we can meet our soul, we can look within ourselves, yeah. we, can, we can go to the source of this longing. This is this beautiful saying you said earlier, which I said in a different way when I quoted Rumi, who said, I never knew that God too desires us. Mm -hmm. When he wants you enough, when he comes knocking on your door and say, it's time to go home. Since I learned that he longs for me, there you go. longing for him never leaves me for an instant. There you go. Yes. What is the soul? The soul is the divine part of our of ourself. It is our divine nature. It is a part of us that is one with God. Everybody has a soul. It is the immortal, eternal part of ourselves. Never dies? Never dies. It's immortal. It belongs to God. Where are all the souls that have been a part of people's bodies? Where, where are those, those souls, all the souls that have been? Some go back to God, some come back again into this world. Mm. What is your definition of God? Well, He is my beloved. He is my most intimate beloved, my friend, 
the one I look to in everything. I wouldn't try to define him because no one knows God but God. He is beyond even our idea of the beyond. But he is also my beloved. What do you think happens when you die? You know, Oprah, there comes a time in meditation on the mystical path when you know you can't die. You go into meditation, you leave behind your ego, you leave behind your body, and you experience your eternal nature in full consciousness. That's why Sufis talk about to die before you die. Then you know you can't die. Then you know that this, leaving this physical world, beautiful as it is, will be a transition to another world which is infinitely more beautiful. And so you know where you're going. It is not a mystery anymore, but you know you can't die. You know there is no such thing as death. Like the poet John Donne said, death thou shalt die. Hmm. Have you experienced that, the death before the death? Yeah. yeah. What's it feel like? Oh, incredible freedom. Incredible freedom. And there is so much love waiting for us. There are oceans of love. I talk about the farther shore of love. And part of my work is to help people to glimpse it, to take them there before they die physically, so they can glimpse the truth of their divine nature. We are one with God. We are creatures of light. We are so beautiful. And there is so much love waiting to be lived, to be experienced. In this world, we forget. And maybe through the grace of God, before we die, we can begin to remember. How do we reconnect to that? How do we remember? We learn to listen to how the beloved, how God wants us to reconnect. Because we are each unique. It is said there are as many ways to God as there are human beings as many as the breasts of the children of men. And for some people it is through a life of service, like Mother Teresa. For other people who are drawn into more solitary meditation, that is there. For some people it is through music. For some people it is through painting. There are so many different ways the Beloved calls to us. But we have to listen and respect the voice of God within ourselves. What do you know for sure? That everything belongs to God everything is the great beloved and we are part of it hasn't this been a lovely talk touch my heart touch my heart it's really touched my heart Oprah. thank you thank, thank you. you so much for sharing thank you for coming god will <laughs> <laughs> so good so good i'm oprah winfrey and you've been listening to super soul conversations the podcast you can follow super soul on instagram twitter and facebook if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.